Welcome to The Daily Bite with your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today we read from Exodus chapter 4. Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. For they will say, Yahweh did not appear to you. Yahweh said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, A staff. And he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses ran from it. But Yahweh said to Moses, Put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. That they may believe that Yahweh, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Again Yahweh said to him, Put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous, like snow. Then God said, Put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put his hand back inside his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. If they will not believe even these two signs, or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on dry ground, and the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. But Moses said to Yahweh, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then Yahweh said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, Yahweh? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth, and will teach you what you shall speak. But he said, O my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of Yahweh was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron your brother the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him, and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth, and with his mouth, and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand this staff, with which you shall do the signs. Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please let me go back to my brothers in Egypt, to see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. And Yahweh said to Moses and Midian, Go back to Egypt, for all the men who are seeking your life are dead. So Moses took his wife and his sons and had them ride on a donkey and went back to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the staff of God in his hand. And Yahweh said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I have put in your power. But I will harden his heart, so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says Yahweh, Israel is my firstborn son, and I say to you, Let my son go, that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. At a lodging place on the way, Yahweh met him and sought to put him to death. Then Zipporah took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and touched Moses' feet with it and said, Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me. So he let him live. He let him alone. It was then that she said a bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. Yahweh said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. 
So he went and met him at the mountain of God and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words of Yahweh with which he had sent him to speak, and all the signs that he had commanded him to do. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the people of Israel. Aaron spoke all the words that Yahweh had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they heard that Yahweh had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshipped. This is the word of the Lord. And so as we look at our text today, it starts out in verse 1 with Moses refusing the call of God from yesterday's chapter 3. God has called Moses to go to Pharaoh, go to Egypt, and set his people free. The original call comes in chapter 3, verse 10. I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Moses immediately refused it there. Um, he's trying to weasel out of this job. And so weasel attempt number one was in chapter 3, verse 11. You could argue about whether there's another one in verse 12. I'm oh, sorry, verse 13. Um, we're not counting it by my count here, so we're only going to get to four. But you could count verse 13. That would bring you to a total of five weasel attempts um, in this whole process. So as you read this with your children, as Moses says, Behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Ask your children, is Moses trusting God's promise from chapter 3, verse 12? God had promised in that verse, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I've sent you. Focusing on, again, those words, I will be with you. Is, is Moses trusting that as he says that they won't listen to him or they won't believe him? He's not. He's not trusting in God here as he continues again and again to try and get out of this job. And yet, we see some patience for God. Not only does he not get angry yet at this point, but he even gives Moses signs, miracles that Moses can do in order to show that it is God who has sent him to them. And so you can talk to your kids about these signs too. Uh, the first sign is the sign of the snake. So his staff can become a snake on the ground. Uh, and then when he picks it up, it turns back into a staff. We see some fear there. Again, Moses not trusting in the Lord. He's showing fear in God's presence, not of God, but of the snake. And then as we turn to the next of, of miracle, the next event, Moses sticks his hand inside of his cloak. He pulls it out and it's leprous. I can only imagine fear in that response as well. It's not mentioned by Moses here, but if he's going to fear the snake, I don't see how he wouldn't have feared the leper's hand, unless he has come to realize that this is a miracle of God and God's going to reverse it for him, which that would be the faithful move. Hopefully he's gotten there, but his continued weasel attempts have me doubting that. It's hard to say, but a leper's hand. And this is one your children will probably ask you about. What was leprosy? Leprosy was a, a contagious and potentially deadly uh, skin disease. Uh, essentially, your skin was rotting. It would turn really it would turn white in many ways um, as it died. And it wasn't just like, as you see, you, oh, you know, the top layer of your skin sometimes starts to die. It's, it's a lot more, it's a lot more deep than that um, as the, the skin essentially just falls apart. And again, this is contagious. They had leper colonies in, in many parts of the history of this world, if you got leprosy, you left your community. 
and you went to the colony, sometimes you could return if you could prove that you were had recovered from it. Um, some people would die of this pretty easily, and other people would live the rest of their many years in the colony, never getting to see their families again. So leprosy is a terrible disease in, in the history of, of creation. And Moses, again, his hand is leprous. And he, he listens, though. You could ask your children, would they have stuck their hand back in their cloaks um, if they were in his shoes? But he does. And he pulls it out again, and it's healed. It's restored. It's made like new, um, which is a good thing. So if they don't believe the first sign, maybe they'll believe the second sign. And if they don't believe the second sign, here's the third. God gives him the ability to take water out of the Nile, pour it out on the dry ground in their presence, and it will become blood. And you can ask your kids about that one. What does that point forward to in the book of Exodus? It points us to the first plague, the idea of, of the water of the Nile turning into blood. So we'll see that one in, within a day or two's time. It's coming pretty soon, maybe three days from now. We get attempt number three to weasel out of this in verse 10. God has given him now these three signs that he can do. So, you know, they're not going to believe me. Well, here's three signs that'll make them believe you. Okay, um, I can't speak well. That's his third argument. So first was, who am I to do this? Second was, uh, they won't believe me. And third now is, I can't speak well. I'm not eloquent. I'm slow of speech and of tongue. Third attempt to get out of this. And so God right, God's question is great here. Who made man's mouth? Okay, you're going to complain about being slow of tongue. Who made your tongue? Can God not do with you what he wants to do with you? If you have an ailment that would prevent you from doing the work God has given you to do, can God not undo that ailment? Again, where's Moses' trust in this? And it's not in God. His fear of Egypt, his fear of what might happen to him there, seems to be the overwhelming thing for him. God promises in verse 12, I will be your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. Man, what a promise. We had that yesterday in chapter 3, verse 12. I will be with you. And now we have it here. I will be your mouth. These are great promises. And again, just as you had the I will be with you promise is true of you as well. So is this one. Believe it or not, this one is, is a New Testament idea as well. As we can look in, for example, Luke chapter 12, verses 8 through 12, where we learn that as disciples of the Lord, everyone who calls upon God's name, um, in those moments when they need to speak to bear witness to him, God himself will give them the words to speak. And we often do this, just like Moses, where we talk about how, you know, I, I don't know how to share Christ with another. I don't, I'll mess up. I can't do it. You have been called by Jesus to be his witness to the end of the earth, to make disciples of all nations, to baptize them, to teach them. So we look down on Moses for this, saying, oh, that's pretty bad. But the law cuts us as well. Know that you are forgiven and serve your master. Verse 13, Moses responds again 
fourth weasel attempt. Oh my lord, please send someone else. Tries to get out of it altogether. And at this point, the patience of God has run out. And he's angry with Moses. And yet he still uses Moses anyway, right? He agrees to give Moses his brother Aaron to help him. Interesting here would be the idea of have Moses and Aaron actually interacted in the 40 years? They wouldn't have interacted likely in the first 40 years when Moses was an Egyptian. But in the time that he's been living in Midian with Jethro and with his wife Zipporah and their son Gershom, has he gotten to know Aaron? I, the text does not reveal that to us. It, I could see it going either way here. So I can't answer that one. But instead, God does say he's coming out to meet you. Uh, and he's going to be now Moses' mouth and... Aaron is going to serve the role together with him. God is going to work through both Moses and Aaron to get his task done. Um, and the the phrase that you shall be as a God, you shall be as God to him. Really, Moses to Aaron then is a reflection of what we see God and his prophets, or today God and his pastors. Moses will give Aaron the words to speak, just as God gives his prophets the words to speak. Or today again, God giving his word to pastors to preach and proclaim. Um, this is a kind of a parallel there that you can see. So we look at the back half of the text of the chapter. Moses goes home to his father-in-law, asks to be allowed to go back to Egypt. Jethro dismisses him in peace. Go in peace. Dismissed of his responsibilities for the time. Go, take care of your business. He wasn't truthful in, in all the ways that he should have been. He didn't tell him about his meeting with Yahweh from what we can see here. Uh, but instead, uh, you know, God speaks to him anyway, sends him to Egypt to a new pharaoh. So all the one that knew about his crime of murder is no longer there. It's interesting, verse 20, that he takes his family with him. Um, sons are mentioned there in verse 20. We've only met Gershom in the text so far but they go together. We don't ever really learn what happens to his family as much as we do him uh, in this book. Verse 21, God is going to harden the heart of Pharaoh. We see this, we'll see it, we'll talk about it several times in the chapters to come. This is the idea of, of God keeping Pharaoh in his sin and not allowing him to repent. So again, we'll see that. And then we get a really a, a promise or threat that's coming up here. So God identifies that Israel, the people that are enslaved in Egypt right now, is his firstborn son. And he's demanding Pharaoh to let them go that they may serve God instead of Pharaoh. Right? You want your son to serve you and not another. And so that's the demand of God. And it's met with a promise or a threat, however you want to take it. If you refuse to let my firstborn go, I will kill your firstborn. That's a foreshadowing of the 10th plague. So in this chapter, you can ask your kids if they can identify that plague too. Um, so this chapter foreshadows both the first and the last plagues, uh, those miracle wonders that are to come in the next, really, I guess, seven chapters or so. Now, God also sends Aaron to go, and he sends him to Mount Horeb, where he'll meet Moses it's interesting as they actually finally do go to Egypt. In verse 30 there, who does the signs? The text reads as though Aaron does them. So instead of Moses even being willing to do the signs in front of the people, his brother Aaron does. 
The people see the signs, they hear the word of God, they bow their heads and they worship. That's a good response. It's always good when God's people uh, show reverence, show fear of God himself. But here they're, you know, they're responding in, in a good way. They're responding in worship. As we today respond in worship, knowing what Christ has done for us, that he has died on the cross to forgive us, and that he offers us that forgiveness freely whenever we gather together in his house, we respond by coming to worship, by trusting in the Lord and what he has done for us.